This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception, pregnancy, to birth and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who've made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we are talking with Siobhan Odom, who is a licensed clinical professional counselor and founder of Acoma Counseling Concepts, LLC. Acoma Counseling Concepts is the only minority-owned private practice in Washington, D.C. that focuses on minority maternal mental health. Siobhan provides continuing education trainings on cultural competence and minority maternal mental health. She loves to promote awareness on minority maternal mental health via community panel discussions, podcasts, and local media outlets. She is passionate and excited about all things mental health and advocacy for women's health initiatives. And in today's episode, she's going to be talking to us about some things that, frankly, she's had on her mind, and I think everybody needs to hear, and really about us needing to have more culturally competent services, the need for more therapists of color to be trained in perinatal mental health, and talking about stigma around postpartum depression for black moms, and also touching on how some organizations can do more to support perinatal mental health. I'm excited to bring you this discussion today. Let's meet Siobhan. Welcome, Siobhan. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, So grateful that you're on with us today to share your wealth of knowledge and really speak to some points that I know you're really passionate about and I think also really need to be heard. So if you can, just start with us where we'd like to about your path here. Yeah, so I started my practice about a year ago, Acoma Counseling Concepts in D.C., in response to my realization that there are no therapeutic spaces around here that are primarily designed for moms of color pertaining to PMADS. Mm. And so I just was like, well, I guess it's time to bring that to my community. Wow. That's great. And that's not a small thing to just start up either. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
but you felt that call and went for it. Yes. Yes, I did. I would definitely have to attribute it to my graduate school. I'm a mater. So I went to Howard University for my master's degree mm. in counseling. And basically, a lot of the framework for my studying was a social justice framework. And so really, it just inspired me as a clinician of color to create spaces for communities of color if we don't see them. Because right. people do need safe spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you saw this gap or hole or whatever you'd like to call it in services and decided to begin filling it. Yes. Wow. That's really, really great. I mean, it's hard to see that gap there. And then starting the work on filling it, you've come a long way in a pretty short period of time, I think. I mean, I'd like to think that I still have a long way to go because <laughs> there's so much work to be done. There's yeah. so much. Right. So how did you get into this particular line of work? So I got the wonderful opportunity to work at a community healthcare clinic in the District of Columbia a couple of years ago. And I saw that a large number of our population, if I could put a percentage on it, it would be about 90% of our population were African American. Mm -hmm. And part of what made my position unique was that I got to provide behavioral health services to the perinatal population. So mm -hmm. it was really cool to meet moms in their prenatal visits and then see them after they gave birth and to provide behavioral health interventions postnatally. And so what I was seeing was that there were a ton of healthcare services being offered to these women, but there were no behavioral health services being provided. And again, as a provider of color, providing services to moms of color, knowing very well about the maternal mortality rate and, again, the high rates of PMADs within the African-American community, I was just really, really stunned that there wasn't a place for women of color to go for their maternal mental health needs. And, I mean, I did. I, I researched. I looked around for it. And I would see on different websites like LinkedIn or Psychology Today that there would be some therapists that would say that they specialized in perinatal mental health, but they hadn't completed any formal training in perinatal mental health whatsoever. Hmm. And so I decided to have a lot of courageous conversations with some of my then patients and some of the birth workers that I had worked with and I decided to meet some reproductive justice workers and I got really inspired to create a coma counseling concepts and I desired and I made sure that I did that I would also apply to be credentialed on as many health insurance companies that would allow me because I know that one of the barriers to moms of color seeking out and retaining mental health services is lack of insurance. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories 
that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Because many perinatal providers, they provide services, but they don't accept insurance, which mm-hmm. means a large population of mom- moms don't get the care that they need. Right, right. So in your process, you're really keeping all of this in mind to make sure to have things as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are really, really important points. Can you speak a little bit more to what you saw in that clinic that you were working in? Sure. So I was seeing that there was a behavioral health department, but our focus was on diabetes. It was on hypertension. I think something that's significant to note is that there was a huge focus on reproductive services at this site. So Again, I was just shocked. Like there was a lot of education around birth control, a lot of education around healthy eating. But again, behavior health supports were really to do things to help minimize blood pressure and again, rates of high diabetes A1Cs. But there were no providers that were screening any of these moms for postpartum depression. And if they were using these screens, there was no room to invite culturally competent screening tools into the mom's prenatal or postpartum visits, nor were moms screened at the baby's first well check. And I really thought that was interesting because this clinic thought that it would be great for stranger me to come in and screen because, oh, she's a therapist and she's black, but they weren't paying attention to the fact that one of our greatest trust bonds were already established and that was between the medical provider and that mom. Mm -hmm. 
And so that mom was much more likely to give truthful, realistic answers to her medical provider than myself, the new therapist, for the fact that they didn't know me. And so, again, that was one of the instances that I was seeing where there was a lack of culturally competent care. Right. And then they're asking you to step in, you know, asking about mental health, which I know you wanted to make sure we talked about the stigma around that. Yes. Yes. So I think that, well, one, I think, I know there is a huge stigma pertaining to mental health in the African-American community, but that becomes a lot more sensitive when you're speaking to someone when they're pregnant, they're Mm -hmm. postpartum, and you're asking very straight to the point questions about their mental health in a system that culturally people of color do not trust, which is the medical system. So there's that huge fear of, oh my gosh, if I tell what I'm really feeling, is this person going to take my child from me? Is this person going to say that I'm not a fit mom? Right. So yeah, there's all those factors. That's really really scary. And then the clinic experience that you're describing, it's hard to know if people had already had experience in that clinic or they're just stepping in for perinatal care. But certainly to your point that having a stranger come in is really hard. It's hard to open up. And I think what you're also mentioning is that this was part of maybe the clinic or just if we can generalize everywhere, really, that not being aware of these factors and how it might impact someone being able to be honest or to reach out for help in the way that they deserve. Yeah, because it's a privilege. As a healthcare provider, I think it's a privilege for me to be a part of someone's care and wellness. My patients didn't have to choose me. And so they didn't have to choose their medical provider. And so I think that that's important when we're talking about providing culturally competent care that we shouldn't just skip behavioral health measures because, oh, it's not important or because I think that it's not important or, you know, I'm going to provide this tool because I think so, because I'm the medical provider and (laughs) totally missing the whole point where it's just like, "Mm, that's great. But if this person doesn't trust you or that tool that you're using or your rapport, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the info that you need. Right. And I think also to another point you made earlier is that it sounds like in general, but maybe specifically at this clinic, but also in general, there's a really big lack of understanding at how depression and anxiety and stress could be impacting all those other medical factors. Yes. Big time. Big, big, big time. I guess I cannot stress more just taking the time to just understand what exists in the communities that we work in, like Mm -hmm. literally what's Mm -hmm. happening across the street or Mm -hmm. the next block over. Yeah. I mean, that is part of what you're describing for culturally competent services, understanding the environment that you're in. Yeah. One personal experience that I had was the neighborhood that I worked in, I had also lived in. And so I just remember one night I woke up and I heard some not so nice sounds. I was hearing gunshots. And I mean, these were just like really intense. Mm -hmm. And so I remember coming into work the next day and saying to someone on the clinic floor, like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, people might be a little bit moody or a little bit on edge because last night was really rough Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood last night. It was really rough. And 
there was at least two times where that had happened. One time, nobody took anything I said into consideration. And well, it was a very eventful day that day, very eventful day. The next time where people did take those things into consideration, you could definitely see a major difference in just the tone of voice and in the rapport between both the patients and the provider. Because some populations, it's important for us to know that you get our environment and, you know, what we're currently living and experiencing. Yeah, that's so important. And also, I kind of wish that, you know, providers would just assume or maybe, I don't know if assume is the right word, but like, assume that people who come in into you because they're having a hard time and not just be treating them like they're supposed to be just fine. Right. Like people are coming in for either medical care or mental health care for a reason. Mm-hmm. What you're mm-hmm. describing should be just standard. Yeah. And that's the other thing. And once again, is that with my experiences, just healthcare wise, not just specific to this clinic, is that a lot of times mental health needs were not even addressed in their prenatal visits or their postpartum visits. They just weren't. Unless I was working specifically on a psychiatric unit or providing consultation to a psych unit for a local hospital, these behavioral health needs were not taken into consideration at all. Wow. Oh, right. So, and that's just behavioral health in general, let alone specifically focusing on perinatal mental health. What have you seen in terms of pushback or acceptance of perinatal mental health? (laughs) I can Uh laugh. I can laugh. Okay. Um, so while my like area of expertise is needed, it's still pretty new. And so because of that, I get pushed back from the most unexpected places. So for example, I get it from some of these reproductive rights organizations. They like to talk about birth trauma, but again, due to the negative stigma that exists in the black community, we have some of these reproductive justice organizations that heavily focus on maternal mortality for women of color as we should, as are needed, but they will not, they will not address mental health at all. Like they won't provide a training on it. They won't do any like public community advocacy or awareness on it. Like there's just a total disconnect. And so I've gotten pushback. I've gotten pushback from some reproductive rights organizations when I'm like, Hey, you know, why don't we partner to do a training together? Or why don't we do a community event together? And they're just like, no, no, we just want to have safe pregnancies and healthy babies. And I'm like, well, you know, (laughs) there's something called the postpartum period that can really, really impact those mothers and those babies. So just giving birth to the baby and the baby living that day is not enough. Like there's a lot of work that needs to be done beyond that day to ensure maternal mortality rates can be reduced. And actually, I heard that there's some efforts that are being done to kind of extend the period of review for maternal mortality mm-hmm. beyond just like a couple of weeks to like the whole first year after. Yeah, it would be really great if we could start really looking at this kind of information because it seems like we're missing a lot of stuff, a lot of information. Yeah, we are. A good example of this is Erica Garner. She was the daughter of the victim of police brutality, Eric Garner. And so people have been talking about extending the study of maternal mortality beyond just the delivery period, but 
close to like a year postpartum. And so for moms of color, I think that Erica Garner would be an example. Many people, they say that, oh, she went into cardiac arrest and you know, she suffered from brain damage and due to a lack of oxygen and that's why she died. But what people aren't looking at is just her exposure to trauma, her significant exposure right. to trauma right. in such a short time leading around and to and after her perinatal period. And so I think she's definitely a unique example to how PMADS got overlooked for that mom of color. Because I could begin to imagine the emotional issues she may have been struggling with. Sure, right? Yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense. And I think, you know, a lot of your points and very strong points are to the fact that we have still really separated out how mental health and stress affects people physically, that like somehow there are two different things, but this is all in one body. It's all happening in one soul. It's happening in one place. And how can these things not impact each other? Right. Yeah. Crazy to make these assumptions. And I mean, I really hope people can hear what you're saying about the importance of really including mental health in the assessment of what's going on, but very particularly perinatal mental health. This is so important. It feels like it's at the core of a lot of stuff. It is. It is. I mean, again, I cannot begin to imagine what her pregnancy was like going into her pregnancy, knowing that her father would not be around to see her give birth to her son, but also just the circumstances in which her father died. And, you know, of course, they're just saying that she suffered from the effects of an enlarged heart after giving birth to her son three months prior. And it was just like, yeah, but what led to that? Right. What led to that? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're going to be preventing stuff like that from happening, I mean, your great suggestions are to make services more culturally competent and to make sure that more therapists of color are being trained in perinatal mental health, which absolutely needs to happen. What are your thoughts on that or how to get it to happen or what should we be doing? So my thoughts are, yes, we need to have more providers of color trained on PMADS. One, because studies show that patients of color more positively respond to mental health therapy when their provider is a person of color. Two, I also think that, yeah, more people in general, no matter what your race or ethnicity is, they also need to participate in both training on PMADS, but also culturally competent care during the perinatal period, because there are certain questions that if you ask a mom of color, it's taboo. You just don't do it, you know, Mm -hmm. but you can still get some of the information you need, but asking in a more culturally informed way. Right. So yeah, a lot of mental health and healthcare providers make assumptions and, or they're in clinics where it's just, you know, one person after another, after another, and they don't have the time to really maybe be thoughtful in the moment. So having training on how to be thoughtful in the moment and conscious in the moment when you're with people, it seems pretty imperative. Yeah. Yeah. And this just might be my personal bias, but I just think that cultural competence trainings should not be optional because Mm -hmm. if you're a therapist or if you're a reproductive worker, I mean, we work with the public. So we communicate with a lot of people from all walks of life, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're supposed to be humanizing people's experiences in the most therapeutic and supportive way. And so we can't do that 
if we're not informed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I hope anyways, my hope is that we're moving towards a system that's less top down where it's like medical. I mean, not too long ago, all healthcare providers were white men and we're moving towards a more diverse healthcare provider field, but it still needs to be that. But I think what still happens is that there's this idea that, you know, the doctor still knows best sometimes. And because this is how they were trained and that they're, they have this title that they can sort of tell people not always what to do. And again, I'm overgeneralizing and stereotyping based on an old model. I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. But if we don't start to incorporate understanding that, no, not all people are like straight white men, then we're missing really healthcare. We're, we're missing on helping yeah. out people, you know, in the way that they feel healthy. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, because heteronormative care <laughs> is definitely dominant in healthcare. And we definitely need to have a more diverse view of patient-centered care. Right. And you yourself are offering some of this training. Yes, I, mean, this I isn't, am. This isn't some like, oh, somebody should do this someday. Like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> yes. So can you tell us a little bit about the program that you have started? Sure. So I created a training that's accredited by NBCC for 3.5 CEs. It's called Perinatal Mood Disorders and Minority Mental Health. I'm offering it as a webinar on September 28th. And so the whole purpose of it is just to be able to discuss and identify cultural and spiritual issues in PMADs and to culturally assess for PMADs or have culturally informed methods to assess PMADs and also to have a better understanding of risk factors and barriers of treatment for PMADs and women of color. Also to explain a little bit of just some of the history of perinatal health and how that impacts mental health in the African-American community. So for example, when I chose to go into the specific niche, of minority maternal mental health, I had to learn about the whole culture of doulas Mm -hmm. because historically in the African-American community, doulas did it all. You know, they were the best friend, counselor, the nurse, doctor, the cook, all of that. And so I think once I began to learn more about just the history of doulas in the African-American community and their importance and how to really inform my therapeutic approaches to working with my moms. So what are some other things that people could be learning from you during this training? So they can be learning what does a therapeutic dialogue with a client of color sound like? Yeah, what does it sound like? Or what might help seeking behaviors look like or sound like for a mom of color that's experiencing PMADS. Mm-hmm. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. 
The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. That's great. I know you've done this training before. What has been your experience in terms of what people leave with? Oh, wow. So... I first hosted it at Howard University, and so it was a very powerful, but very, I don't want to say sisterly, but kind of like that. People left very happy. They left feeling a sense of connection, and people actually established professional relationships with each other Mm -hmm. after going to this training. So what was really cool was that there were medical providers sitting down at the table with therapists having conversations that we don't typically get to have, which is like, oh, you only get 20 minutes to see a patient? Oh. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Oh, so you're not only are you providing training and information, it's a place for people to connect and connect ideas and maybe even connect professionally, which is just phenomenal. I think that's really essential to growing this. And, you know, I think you were talking a little bit more about the need for more therapists of color to be trained in perinatal mental health. And I'm really hopeful that that the conversation that we're having today is, you know, heard by people who are considering getting this training would be like a specialization beyond what the two-day of PSI does. Yes. So this is definitely specialized because it's in addition to... Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So there's all this opportunity for people to get general and fundamental training in perinatal mental health through a couple different organizations. Uh, But what you are offering is really specialized. Yes. And I can say that if you've never gone to a PMAD training before, you could still attend mine because I do provide a general overview of PMADs. 
before going into the whole cultural piece. Because I do understand that just like the clients that we serve, that many clinicians have never had any formal training in PMADS. Right. I mean, there's so many of us. I didn't. When I had my own experience, I didn't know what was going on. And I was a psychologist already. And I know for a fact, I hear it over and over again, that people just don't, they haven't heard of it. They don't understand what it is, or they like only associate it with what they see on TV or, you know, that's only for a certain kind of people that get that. And just this is why I think like this discussion is so powerful because really just bringing it down to earth saying, these are the things that we need to address. This is what's possible to do with it. Here's a training. Like this is all very accessible and that's what it needs to be in order for people to learn and to get the training and then to go out there and either, you know, get the help that they need or become the help that somebody else needs. Yes. That's the exact purpose right there. Let's do That's this. the exact purpose. And I really wanted to, yeah, I mean, and I really wanted to say that on this podcast, like doing this work has been one of the most rewarding forms of therapy I have ever done, mm. you know? And so I definitely think that we should get more providers of color to do this work. I mean, because just doing this work again, it, it helps so many women. It also saves many families. The community within itself, oh my gosh, is one of the most supportive, sisterly communities I've ever been on in this field so that we can create more safe spaces for women because moms deserve mental health, you know? And right. that's the other reason why I chose to do this training is because sometimes we can be socialized that it's selfish for us to just look at our emotional and mental health needs that we're really supposed to just look at only our kids. And sometimes mm -hmm. due to the professionals or the people around us, we're also told that we can't even experience these things because we're professionals. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had the experience of working with some professionals that have just been like, oh yeah, no, no, like you can't have these issues and be a therapist. And so mm. once again, that's the cultural piece, like with the stigma. So yeah, oh, that's so important to talk to, to speak to. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, the more we can talk about it, the more we can put it out there and get information out there, the better off everybody will be you know, you're doing a really big part of that work and you're set up there in DC and doing the work on the ground there, but then to add this other webinar so that other people can get access to it that aren't necessarily near you, that's really important. The, I just think it's great. Just the more things we can make accessible to people in multiple forms, the better off we'll all be. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. So I want people to find you. Can you tell people what your website is and how they can connect with you? Sure. So you can find me at www.acomacounselingconcepts.com and that's A-K-O-M-A-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G-C-O-N-C-E-P-T-S.com. And I am on Instagram, which I think is a cool place to find me because every now and then I do Instagram live chats about PMADS. And so you can find me at Acoma underscore counseling on Instagram and you can find me at Acoma counseling on Twitter and you can also find me on Facebook. Sweet. All right. That is awesome. So everybody, please go check that out. And it's the course, the webinar is on your website under training, correct? Yes, um, it is. 
Okay. And also Siobhan is offering a discount to all of the mom and mind listeners, which is so generous and so awesome. So if you guys go to her website, Acoma Counseling Concepts, you look under training and you sign up for either the webinar or her live training and enter the coupon code MOMANDMIND, you can get 10% off, which is so gracious. Thank you so much for offering that to everyone. You're welcome. Yeah, that's really cool. Just for mom and my listeners. Hey, so get on that and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes and also in anything I post on social media so that you guys can share this as well. All right. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with Siobhan? Pretty much just thank you for having me on your podcast and for all the listeners out there. I mean, you could, there's always something that you can do to help another mom in need out there. So whatever you do, feel free to keep the positivity flowing by trying to create something that may not be out there already. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise and all that you're doing to help moms. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Siobhan, for coming on and talking about these really important concepts and things that we should all be taking into consideration. And what's great is that Siobhan will be offering her perinatal mood disorders in minority mental health on Friday, September 28th through a live webinar. And she has graciously offered a coupon code to the Mom and Mind listeners for 10% off the webinar and also live in person. So if you'd like to jump on that, you can go to acomacounselingconcepts.com and look under training and use the coupon code MOMANDMIND, M-O-M-A-N-D-M-I-N-D. For those of you who are just joining the Mom and Mind podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. Please find us at momandmind.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can catch the Mom and Mind podcast on all major listening platforms. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time. By joining us today, you are part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. You can feel better. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.